And the reality of, of the Lord, if, if you have a salvation without the reality of the Lord, the truth is you don't have salvation. That's the truth. That's the, that's the thing that sometimes we don't want to declare. But, but when Jesus touches you, your life will never be the same. And, you, you know, uh, I start the second week of the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the second teaching on it, and we're going to move on into some things, and we're going to look at some of these places where Jesus touched people. Yes. That's really where the Spirit of the Lord is, is dealing with me. But in Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me. Notice it says, Lord God. King James says, Lord God. American Standard says, Lord Jehovah. And the words there are Adon Jehovah. So Adon in your Bible is dealing with Lord. And not just Lord. It can, it can mean, one of the definitions of it can be my Lord. And, and I want to bring strong emphasis on that this morning. Your Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord, Jehovah, is upon me because Jehovah have anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. We'll stop there this morning. And in Luke 4, Jesus comes into Nazareth, to a synagogue in Nazareth, and he opens the book to, the Bible says, to this place. And he begins to read here in Isaiah, and that's what it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's Luke 4, 16, 17, actually in 18. So, he, so Jesus, when he came to the synagogue and he stood as custom to read, he told them, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You read this. Because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he have sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen to this real close. Yeah. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty all that are bruised, to preach the acceptable or favor of the Lord. And he closed the book. Yeah. And when he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of them all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto him, This day is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears. So what Isaiah had prophesied, what we read in Isaiah 61, Jesus comes forth and he takes the book of Isaiah and he opens it to that very place and he says, today it's fulfilled. And I, w- I want you to really see something here. To preach the gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. 
How often have you sat in what you call church and you heard bad news? Jesus didn't come to tell you bad news. He came to declare the good news. And, And the declaration that should be in us is the Gospel, the good news. Much of our declaration when we begin to to witness of the Lord because we don't comprehend what He's done. We don't understand what all He's done. So much of our declaration isn't really good news. Christian people can be some of the saddest people you ever get around. You know that? It shouldn't be, but they can be. And the reason they can is because they don't understand. Because if I lack understanding... See, I walk... I really walk in what I know. I really live as I know. Really, when you get into salvation, and this is where the Lord has me going this morning, when you get into salvation, you're going to walk in the comprehension that you know. That's all you're going to do. If you don't know it, you're not going to walk in it. And, and what, I guess my heart, if I can tell you my heart, is, to, is for you to bite off enough of the Lord that you want more of the Lord. That it becomes alive in you. That His Word gets a hold of you. And when you bite that off, what it will do is you'll no longer be satisfied with certain things. You just won't. You won't be satisfied with just hearing somebody preach. You won't be satisfied with just hearing somebody sing. There will become a longing that there is a measurement of Christ spoken to you. Because if there's not a measurement of Christ in what you're hearing, then it's not going to fulfill your heart. It just won't do it. And, and that's my heart for you. The reason I say that's my heart for you, because once you get drawn into this, and if God draws you in far enough, or if you walk out far enough, however it's done, if you allow the Lord, maybe that's the way you say it, if you allow the Lord to draw you in far enough, you won't be satisfied with anything other but the revealed Word of God. You won't be. Because it will get a hold of you. I've shared this story many times. It just come to my mind, and not to rehash stories, but why I do that. Flip back to uh, Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. I, I, and, and it come before me again with the Lord dealing with me when I was pastoring the fellowship, Leroy's Fellowship. And I was headed to Baptist Valley where I still go and minister, where Brother Stanley goes, where J.W., where a lot of people were connected to Baptist Valley. And so I was headed there, and I'll never forget what the Lord said to me. He said to me, Jesus, as I rolled up the road, and in, as, he, as those words came to me, it just come up in my spirit, will you walk in what I show you, or will you go back? And I said to the Lord there, in my heart, 
Lord, where else could I go? I won't go back. I won't, I won't return to, and I don't mean this wrong, nominal Christianity. I won't return. Because I've heard your voice. And when I come to that place that I knew I had heard His voice, I was never going to just be satisfied with going to church. And I believe the Lord gave me a choice there that day. I really do. Will you, will you continue to follow me or will you go back? Because it's not always, you know, you know, it's not been hard to follow the Lord. But it's not, I don't want to say it's not always been easy. That's the wrong word. It's not been popular. It's really not been popular. That's the, that's the better way, I think, to say it to you than it's not been easy. It's not been popular. It's not been a popular road. The popularity is not not here. But I come to the decision there that, that I had nowhere else to go but to the Lord. That, that I was after the Lord. I was in pursuit of God. And that pursuit of God was changing my life. And see, the Gospel should change your life. Hey, Anita, if you want to, let him stay in here today. This is good for him. Tell him to come in here. This got this gospel will change your life. In in the book of Exodus, the it says, and the Lord said, Exodus three seven, and the Lord said, or Jehovah said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the places of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. I probably didn't say all this correct, but I got through them. So I'm going to bring you to the land of the Ites. So, but the key here, when you read this, notice what he said, I am come to deliver you. Yes. So, de- so I've come to deliver you out of Egypt, out of the hand of Pharaoh, out of the taskmasters. I've heard their cry. I've seen the affliction of my people. And I know their sorrows. Listen to what he said. He, he did. Listen here. I have seen their affliction. I've heard their cry. And I know their sorrows. So what was the solution? He knew this. So the solution is, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now now get, get this second part and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, and a land flowing with milk and honey into the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, and we just read this. Now what I want you to see here, I really want you to see this, that the purpose of deliverance wasn't just to get you out, or get Israel out of sin, or Pharaoh, this is speaking of sin to me, but, but we'll get up, I've I got to slow down. 
Their purpose wasn't to just come out of Egypt. See, see, and I know Sister Sheila can relate to this. I sat in testimony services as a kid where people would get up and testify and say, the Lord brought me out. You ever heard that, Sister Sheila? The Lord brought me out. But I would rarely, if ever, hear anybody say what He brought me to. What they would declare is the Lord brought me out and someday, someday, everything's going to be better. Well, so God brought you, so with that testimony, God brought you out to be miserable till someday. Think about it. He brought me out of sin. He brought me out of this. He brought me out of that. And someday it's going to get better. What's wrong with that story? You just sit around here and be miserable long enough till you die. Man, I've got to tell you something. That ain't very good news, is it? And Jesus was anointed with the, with the Spirit to what? Declare... Good news. So is that good news that someday everything's going to get better? Don't know when that is. But someday it's going to get better. That ain't good news. And that ain't what God did with Israel. He didn't have a someday religion with Israel. He come down to bring them out of Egypt and to take them to the land of promise. Right then. To a land flowing with milk and honey. And go 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 read this go to chapter chapter six, same book. Exodus six. And he says Verse one, then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses, said unto him, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah. So he said, I am Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham, and to Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. I appeared as the El Shaddai. We, how many ever heard God called El Shaddai? Where's that in your Bible? In your King James, you can't find it, can you? Because it's in these words. So he appeared as the Almighty God, as the El Shaddai, the Almighty. But he says to them, But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Now, now read this close. I am Jehovah. I will bring you out. So he says, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. Who's going to... I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I 
will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, or Jehovah your God, which bringeth you from out under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage or an inheritance. I am Jehovah. I'm Jehovah. I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to rid you from the Egyptians. I'm going to rid you from their bondage. I'm going to rid you because I'm the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I've come down to do it. Get a hold of this for a minute. Now he tells them, he says, he says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, but by my name, Jehovah, they didn't know me. Now I've said this many times here in this local fellowship. They called him Jehovah. You know that? Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. So how in the world, what's he talking about? By my name, Jehovah. See, as Christians, when you read something like this, you should sit down and say to the Lord, Lord, but they called you Jehovah. What do you mean you weren't known to Abraham as Jehovah? Because Abraham clearly says, calls him Jehovah, the Jehovah Jireh, for the Lord shall provide. When he takes Isaac up, and and I believe I could go through it if I had, I could go through some of my old lessons and show you where Isaac and Jacob called him Jehovah too. But he said, "By my name, Jehovah, was I not made known to them?" And come to my heart a number of years ago, what what really hit my heart when he would come as El Shaddai, he would come and leave. He would appear to Abraham. And he would tell Abraham what he was going to do, and he would leave. Now what's different here, when he, when he shows up in the burning bush and declares to Moses, I am that I am, and, you, and, and, and I didn't read that, but that's in this, this portion of Scripture, if you go back and read it. He begins to declare himself as Jehovah. See, Jehovah, these Jehovah names are who the I am is. So when he says, I am that I am, he said, I am, I exist by myself, I am who I am. And then he begins to reveal himself to them as Jehovah. And there's many Jehovah names. That is who I am that I am is. So, so... So here, he says, I'm, I, by my name Jehovah was I not made known. What, what was so significant to me is that when he came as Jehovah, he wasn't going to leave. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your God personally. I am Jehovah. I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people. So he, so he didn't just appear and say, I'm the Almighty God. He comes to Jehovah and says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be mine. I'm going to take you to myself. If you read all of Exodus, and you read them, we've studied the land, 
But if you go back and, and they're on the, uh, the podcast, if you go back, some of the teachings on the land are out there. And if you go back and listen to them or you study this, you'll find out in the land was the place where Jehovah was. It was more than the real estate in the Middle East. It was the place of His rest. I'm going to bring them in and plant them in the mountain of my heritage, in, in my habitation. I'm going to bring them to my holy habitation. All of that is going on here in this story. And when it comes to Jehovah, I will bring them to myself. I'm going to reveal myself to them. Because I will be a personal God. That's what he's saying. I'm going to be in their midst. I'm going to be the personal God. I'm going to be the God of covenant. One more verse I'm going to read here and I'm going to move on. Exodus 29, 46. And you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. And they shall know that I am Jehovah their God. They shall know that I am Jehovah their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. Here's the purpose. I brought them out of Egypt that I might dwell among them, I am, and he goes on and says, I am Jehovah, their God. <laughs> My Lord, I see that and I just, I, I just want to, I don't want to move any further. I just want, want to get a hold of this, man. Yeah. I'm Jehovah. You're God. Israel. So I'm a personal God. And see now, now, and, 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 I, and I'll mention this. I, I said the last time I taught on the, the Spirit of Jehovah is upon me. The first place the term Spirit of Jehovah that I could find in, in the Bible was actually in the book of Judges. You know, I thought of the Spirit of God, but the, there in, in Genesis, that's, that's a different word for God. That's the Spirit of Elohim, not to split hairs, but it's a different word for God. The Spirit of Jehovah is upon me. So... So there's significance to the Spirit of Jehovah because when He came as Jehovah here, the other thing He came to do was deliver them out of bondage and bring them into. Right? So, so He came as their deliverer, their personal deliverer, their personal God. Now, flip to Matthew 1. And, and I don't know that there's a better picture of Jehovah in your Bible or Jehovah's, uh, uh, than Matthew 1 in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, Now, Matthew 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise. I'm teaching this the wrong time of the year. Being funny. So everybody laugh. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph there. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, was mighty to put her away privately. But when he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, he had to be a man of faith, right? Think about Brother Joseph. He had to believe something. Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, telling him, Joseph, that baby has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for it is he that shall save his people. Here comes this big word, sozo. 
save. And again, I probably said it wrong. But save His people from their sins. Now all this is come to pass that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. What the prophet say? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. So you can slice Jesus any way you want to. But the prophet said he was God with us. Amen. What the prophet said. The prophet's probably right, given that he prophesied through the Spirit of the Lord. He's probably He probably was right, and we're probably wrong if we don't believe that, okay? So here we come, and here comes Jesus on the scene to save, to sozo, everybody say sozo, His people from their sins. Now this word, this is according to the, to the Briggs whatever dictionary, this word means more than just the deliverance side. It's what you deliver to. <laughs> it means deliver out of danger and into safety. This is very important. Use principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into His provision. That's a bigger word than what we think of, of He saved me. Because now I've moved out of the sin and its consequences. In the coming weeks, we're going to probably move into some of that. But I've not just moved, I've not just delivered from my sins, I'm delivered into His provision. And I, and I begin to see this and connect this with, with Jehovah. And when God came to them in the name of Jehovah, they were now connected with His provision. They were connected with everything He was going to provide. And we Christians have walked around while their shoes didn't wax old. That's true. Because the provider was at hand. Yes. Provision was there. The Lord, my provider. It's one of the, I believe that's one of the names of Jehovah. The Lord, my provider. My provisions come. My God, get a hold of this. Your provision, Jesus, He's going to save His people. Notice that this, this lines right up with Jehovah of the Old Testament. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. This is a personal Savior. He is my Savior. He is my God. My God. That personal reality of Him. That's what the Lord was stressing so in my heart. Was a personal God. I know we talk so much about the corporate body. But this morning we're going to talk about the personal Savior. And it is a corporate body. But the... He's personally mine. They'll be my people and I will be their God. Get a hold of that. It's personal. So, so here's, here's a, an example of this, of, of this word sozo, because, because again, this isn't to be just some futuristic thing. Matthew 8.23 
And we, and we like to say this. Matthew 8.23. Brother Stanley's asking me to speak up. This is one of the few times you'll hear that. And when he was entered into a boat, his disciples followed him. And you get you read the verse up above, and he's telling the disciple there to let the dead bury the dead and follow me. Then you come right here and it says, And when he had entered into a boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the boat was covered with waves. Jesus laying there asleep. Would you be laying there asleep with the boat covered with waves? Probably not. He's at rest. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save, Lord, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So he sows, they come and said, Sozo me. Save me from this. And he did, and he put them in calm peace. I'm going to look at a few places here. So when, when he saved them, they, 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 their whole state of being changed. Get a hold of this. They were in the tempest of the sea. The boat was covered with waves. And when Jesus rebuked the wind, it said, there was a great calm. So they went from a state of being a turmoil to a state of being of calm. That's what sozo does. That's what salvation does. It moves you out of one state of being into another. Now come down to Luke 8, verse 40. I, I, I just love it looking at this word. I, I just like, Lord, just wish I had more time. Is what I was telling the Lord. Wish I'd started this days ago. Not what four hours, brother? You want me to preach four hours? And as Jesus returned, the the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. And besought him to come into his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, who had spent all her living upon physicians and could not be healed of any, she spent everything she had, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, the issue of blood stopped or staunched. And Jesus said, Who is it that touched me? And when all denied, Peter said, And they that were with him, Master, the multitudes pressed thee and crushed thee. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I perceived that power had gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. 
him declared in the presence of the people for what cause she touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee sozo. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now make sure I'm telling you right, I'm going to look that up with the dictionary here, but I'm pretty confident that that word whole, either the word whole or heal there is saved. So that salvation of him, Luke, what is it? What am I reading? Luke 8. That salvation of him is, is also healing. So again, the whole state of being was changed. And, and, I, and I don't think we get a hold of really what this means that he touched the, he touched the woman here and healed her with an issue of blood. Because if you go back under the law, and I'm going to, I'm going to share a scripture with you in a moment. The woman with an issue of blood, there, there's a big deal about that. You know what the big deal is? If you, if you had an issue of blood, you were unclean. So she spent 12 years walking around the streets of wherever she was at, in, you, you know, in Judah, being called unclean. Not only was she in physical torment, but she was in mental torment. Think about it. Her whole life, you know, her, she, she's walking around with an issue of blood that she can't get rid of, and she's going to the doctor and everywhere, and she's probably done, she's probably done everything. Yep, sozo that is the word whole there. She's probably done everything to be whole. She do. So her uncleanness. When she touched him, I, I think we could, we, if we could hear it, her uncleanness passed upon him. He took our infirmities. He took my disease. He took my uncleanness. So she touched the robe of the priest. And when she touched the robe of the priest, he took my, her, Uncleanness. Not just she had an issue of blood, but according to the Jewish law, she was unclean. This is Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. Chapter 15.25. You don't have to turn there. Stay where you're at because we'll come back there, but I'm going to read this. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many times... For many days at a time, other than her menstrual period, or if it continues beyond her period, she will be unclean. Listen to that. She will be unclean all the days of her unclean discharge, just as she is during the days of her menstruation. This is Jewish law. You want me under the Jewish law? You're unclean. So if you're a woman and you're under the law, you're going to be unclean a period of time if you're under the Jewish law. So when Jesus come on the scene and that woman, what, 12 years? 
dealt with this. And she pressed through the crowd. I don't think we get the significance of this woman. I don't think, you, you know, her brother Lynn and sister Elisa talk on Zacchaeus. Come out, you know, we, we, we've told the story when we're kids. You know, we heard the story, Zacchaeus come down from that tree, but we don't get the significance that he was a wee little man. How does it go, Sister Sheila? A wee little man was he? Dwarfism, dwarfism was unholy under the law. So we don't get a hold of the wee little man climbing up in that tree because he was a dwarf. And according to the law, he was unclean. This woman was unclean. So Jesus transferred, took upon him. You, you know, we, we, we hear this. He took upon him. That woman's uncleanness was immediately transferred to him and his wholeness was transferred to her. That's sozo, man. That's salvation. She's made whole. Get a hold of that. He shall save His people from their sins. So the infirmity of her is transferred. And that's, that's a whole lot bigger salvation than I think we, we, we get a hold of. Our infirmity is transferred to Him. And then He comes in to the... To, you, you know, after this, He comes in and, and, the, and the little girl had died. Going on down here, I said, stay where you're at. After Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith made thee whole, go in peace. Verse 49, Why yet spake there come one from the rule of the synagogue's house, saying, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the teacher. But Jesus, but now, now notice this, but Jesus. Get a hold of it. You, you know, here, here's what the person from the synagogue's house says, don't trouble him. Leave him alone. Your daughter's died. He can't do nothing for her now. But Jesus, hearing it, answered him, fear not, only believe and she shall be... And I believe that's so-so again. Is that, is that the same word, Bob? She shall be made whole. I'll tell you in a second. I'll just flip over here. Yep, that shows again. That she shall be saved. Same word. He shall save his people from their sins. Don't worry. She's going to be saved. She's going to be made whole. Get a hold of that. And he, when he came into the house, he came into the house. What did he do? He suffered not any man to enter in with him, save Peter, John, and James, and the father of the maiden and her mother. And all were weeping and bewailing her. And he said, Weep not, for she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. But he, taking her by the hand, called, saying, Maiden, arise, and her spirit returned. 
Get a hold of that. Her spirit returned. The body with that spirit, James says, is dead. Her spirit returned and she rose up immediately and he commanded that something be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no man what had been done. Get a hold of, of, of salvation. Jesus didn't come on scene and say, well, someday this is going to get better. Did he? No, he come on the scene and it was better. He come on the scene and it and it changed. The storm stopped. And the people in the storm come to great calm. The woman, the unclean woman, became clean. The dead maid arise. Then you go down to the to the man with the uh, unclean spirits, the band of the Gergesenes. Same thing. He comes on the scene and the man goes from being devil-possessed and tormented with devils to being, the Bible says, in his right mind. Because he was on the scene. So, so do you think you may need Jesus to touch you? I think you might. Do you think you may need the simplicity of the gospel declared? See, it's this simplicity of Christ. And sometimes people, you know, we get into Revelation Word, and, 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 and honey, I don't know anything but Revelation Word when you come to me. I don't have any other word to declare to you but the revelation of Jesus Christ. But it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I've heard brothers and sisters that almost sound like they want to leave Jesus' name out of They'll talk about the revelation of Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Or Christ Jesus. But Jesus is in the mix. There's no other thing. See, see, see the, the power of Him. See, when you come to, to salvation, and what we've, we've understood of born-again salvation, the measurement of salvation we've understood, you get touched by Jesus. And you're not saying, what happens to you when you get touched by Him? In salvation, you immediately say, I'm not the same. This isn't coincidental, folks. Because this is who He is. He is the change maker. Without Him, there is no change. That's why if I have a salvation that God doesn't touch me, I've got the wrong salvation. Yes. I'll never forget. It's kind of like what Brother Stanley said this this uh, morning about the boy. I never forget the Pentecostal teacher coming into my house in Whitfield, and I began to share with him the Lord. And he said, 
I haven't felt the Spirit like that in years. And I thought to myself, if I didn't feel the Spirit like this, I don't know what I would do. I feel the Spirit of God. I sit at my desk many times. My, my family don't know what I'm doing besides sitting there reading. I'm basking in His presence. He's with me. He's in me. And He's real to me. I, now, it's not just, you know, I'm reading and, and, and I, okay, I'm stirring up some faith to me. No, He is real. There's a reality of Him. My salvation isn't based on my feelings. It's based on the reality of Him. And His presence is real. Paul wasn't kidding when he said, he wasn't just writing something in a book, but he said, his spirit bears witness with my spirit. Do you think his spirit is, might be significant? Paul says that his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. So if his spirit doesn't bear witness with me, there's a good chance something's wrong. And see, we, see we, want, we want to appease people. But no, this is salvation. Salvation is Him. See, see the, the, the change that always comes. The change. Jesus was already calm in the storm. The storm was there and He just sleep. He's already in the state of calm. He's already in rest. He already knows who He is. He already has an understanding of the peace of God. He is the peace of God laying there. So, so the storm is not really bothering Him at all. But those with Him... I know how it is because I get in some of the storms in the airplane and I'm like, Lord, speak to this wind. I ride a, ride a few airplanes and I get, I get in some storms sometimes and... And I and I ain't loving. Okay? So I can understand to a measurement what these brothers are going through. Probably not the tempest they were in. They're probably in, in, in a major storm out in the ocean. Right? He's laying there asleep. Because that's his state of being. At rest. He's at rest. That's what that's speaking of. But he moved their whole being. See, that's what salvation moves your whole being. I have come down. Notice what he said to the, the Israelites. I have come down to deliver you out of Egypt, out of that state of being. In that state of being, you're in bondage. In that state of being, you're in fear. In that state of being, you're in what, whatever else they were in, right? They were, they were under the taskmaster of Pharaoh. But I've come down to move you out of that state of being and into a land flowing with milk and honey. You see the change of the state of being? You're moving out of a taskmaster. You're moving out of slavery. You're moving out of bondage and into... He said, Jesus said, those that believe in Me, you, you want to you kind of put the icing on the cake with this? He said, those that believe in Me, out of their bellies shall flow what? That's a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Those that believe on Me, out of their bellies, their inner being, their heart, their spirit, soul, and mind, is going to flow rivers of life, of living water. That's what's going to come out of you. That's a change of being. You You get that. You have moved out of sin. You've moved out of Adam and into life right now. Amen. Get a hold of that. He, he wasn't saying something that morning in the sweet by night you're going to have rivers of living water flowing out of you. He said, He that believes on me out of his belly shall flow. Yeah, yeah. That's right now. That's a right now God. See, see, when we change our mind from, from the going to be to the now, we'll begin to experience that. You better believe it. See, see, what did Israel have to do to enter into Canaan? They had to believe God. They didn't have to do anything but believe Him. Just come on right in. What did they do? They walk up there and say, Oh no, we can't overtake them. Could you imagine? Well, we could. We, we do the same thing. These, Paul said these things are written for our in, in sample, our example. So Israel comes to the Canaan land, sends spies in the land, and they come back and they say, there's giants in the land, there's no way we can overtake this land. Now, now think for a moment what they had seen done. They had seen the Red Sea party. They have walked over on dry ground. They had seen the death angel come through Egypt. They had seen the mighty works of God displayed in Egypt and then come up to the Red Sea and saw the Red Sea part. And they come up to Canaan and they said, we can't go in here. Now, that happened, Paul says, that, that is written for our example. I hear believers, I, in fact, I told a brother recently, he said, this all can't be fulfilled. I said, you say it can't, I say it can. That's what I told him. It come out of my mouth before I, I could stop myself. I'd already said it. You say it can't, I say it can. <laughs> Because, because it's a mind... I love, I love that. It used to bother me with Brother Lynn. Now I love it. It's a mind shift away. It's a mind shift. It's a change of your mind to get a hold of this. That's about how far it is. Brother, Brother, Brother Roger Mike, you don't know him, Brother, Brother Wayne. He used to look at me and say, how high is heaven? He'd go about right here. Right above your head. Right above you. See, because our mind is our problem. You, 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 you realize that's what Paul may have wrote about the transforming of what? The mind. Because he knew our problem was our mind. God knew our problem was our mind. 
And he declared by the prophets that my ways are not your ways, and your ways are not my ways, and my ways are past finding out. And then Paul, who had found some of his ways out, said that he was preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. How can you preach something unsearchable? He said, it's unsearchable, it's past me finding out, because God has given us His Spirit that He might reveal unto us all things. How much is all? I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about the solar system out there. Ethan was talking about it in school, and so it made me think about the Lord. And, and it just popped up in my mind, the reason the solar system is so vast is because so is God. Because even the solar system is speaking about the vastness of Him. The greatness of Him, the depth of Him. And we, we, we don't get who we're, we have to do with, deal with. It. I mean, we, I, I don't know that we really get the living God desired to live in us. Anyway, I, I, I had a bunch of other scriptures. I'll quote a couple. But, you, you know, in, in the book of Acts, when the man at the Gate of Beautiful was healed, and they brought him before the high priest, and they told him to no longer preach in his name and so forth, they told them there is no other name given among men whereby you shall be saved. And I know we teach that improperly, so we teach that with born against salvation. But they, but the, but the, 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 that story, if you go back and read that account, what had just happened was a man had just been miraculously healed. He had changed from a beggar at the at the gate of beautiful that couldn't walk, couldn't walk. You talk about transportation right now. You can't walk. And then somebody come up to you and say, Silver and gold, how do I know? And he may know Peter, he may not. And Peter and John may walk by him, I think Brother Simmons said this is the past, they may walk by him on the top. But that day when they come by that man and he looked to them for money, they said, Silver and gold, we have not but what we have in the name of Jesus Christ. They knew who they had to deal with. They, they, they didn't just say in Christ. I'm not trying to be, you know, belittle in Christ. Because I believe in Christ all, I believe it to the fullness. But they didn't say just because we're in Christ. They, they emphatically declared Jesus Christ and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he rose up walk. Running and leaping and praising God. And we sang the song this morning that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, well, in you it shall quicken. I think it did some quickening to His mortal body, don't you? His mortal body went from being crippled to leaping and praising God. That's a little bit of quickening, but a little bit of quickening power went on there. And that's sozo. He that believeth on me shall not perish. 
Now, was he talking about some future event? No. He's talking about, He that believeth on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life, and I'm stopping with this, that everlasting life starts right now. I'm declaring, John, John writes, he's declaring to you what in, in the book of John, that eternal life that was with the Father, that's been made manifest to us. Was John talking about someday getting made manifest? No. He was, he was made manifest to John first in the flesh. John walked with him in the flesh. John was called the disciple he loved. And now John was writing about the eternal Word that was from the beginning that John was fellowshipping by the Spirit. He wasn't writing about this, this future Jesus. He was writing about the One that He was in fellowship with by the Spirit. See, see, see I think the future gets in our way because we lose sight of the now. Yes. Yes. And I know, I know He's continually coming. I know there's a greater measurement of Christ that's going to appear in His people. I believe that, folks, but, but, but I can't just project the, something out there when, when there's a reality of Him that's here right now. She's a reality of Him carrying into the reality of Him that's here right now. It's what's going to sozo you, heal you, rescue you, transform you, change your mind, change your being, heal your body. All of that is wrapped up in Jesus. He is my Jehovah provider. See, my provision is in Him. My provision for sins is in Him. He took my offense, so He is my Jehovah deliverer. He is my personal God. So my need is in Him. This is kind of where the Lord has me, Sister Sheila. I didn't expect it when I started down this study. But He just brought me into it, and I'm looking at it going, My God, You are my... You know, I like that word sozo. You are my Savior. You are my salvation. You are my sozo. You're my provision. And see, in His provision is not to leave you the same, man. It's not. He doesn't want to leave you the same. He doesn't want you just to be out of some sins and one day making it to heaven. He wants you to bring heaven on earth. Amen. Glory to God. He wants you to experience heaven, the heavenly, right now. That's salvation. That, that I'm not entrapped again. I'm not enslaved again. I'm not in bondage again. If, if He just gets rid of your sins and doesn't change you, guess what? You'll get in bondage again, won't you, Sheila? Because it's you. Right? I, I can't help myself because it's me, Lord. So, my, so His salvation is, is my cure. Because He moves me from me to Him. So my, my provision to get out of being enslaved isn't anything I do. It's who He is. Here's the work you do. 
believe on you. Follow me. What did he tell him? Follow me. Well, I could go on and on with this this morning. Because it, it ministered so in my heart. It, I, mean, I mean, the Lord was just ministering to me, and I'm like, my God, let me declare this. I was, I was praying, let me declare this, Lord. Give me the words to say this to you people. Because I, I, I just said before, I mean, just sharing. I, I, I want this on it because I want people to hear it, I think, anyway. So give me five more minutes. I know I'm 60 minutes, and I try to stop between 50 and 60. But I want people to have what I have because I know it's available. And it's not to, I, I'm not saying this to promote me because I ain't, I, honestly, I'm no different than you are. None. So don't, don't ever think I am. I'm not. What the Lord does with me is so precious. I'll sit down with God and He'll begin to deal with me with the Scripture. And He'll begin to minister to me out of His Word. I'll begin to hear His Word. Like He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've read that a thousand times. And the other day, I, I'm reading to you, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. All of us are going to some flip inside. I went, Oh, Spirit of the Lord. He starts turning like he said, The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, and this went on for days. And I, and I even had it down the first place of the Spirit of the Lord was Genesis 1. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And the Lord challenged me there. Is that really the first place of the Spirit of the Lord? And I went back there and looked, and it was the spirit of Elohim. I said, no, that's really not the same context. You know, you're saying something more. You're saying something there, too. It's all Him. Don't get me wrong. But you're saying something more with the Spirit of the Lord. So I began to search, and I come to the book of Judges. And opened the I think, was the first one that, that the Spirit of the Lord. And what they were in, they were in they were a winner, worshiping false gods, and this, that, and the other. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. Hope oh, now they just take them out of bondage. The Spirit of Jehovah came upon them. The Spirit of Jehovah came upon Gideon. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. You read Judges, and all of us Judges took on a whole different meaning to me. As you read Judges, sometimes kind of. Well, what's all this about, right? It's about the Spirit of the Lord. So when Jesus comes on the scene and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Othniel that took him out of captivity. Gideon that defeated the army. Samson that conquered the Philistines. And there's Jesus saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. All that God did to the Philistine army is upon me. And I'm going to destroy the powers of darkness. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's going to release the captives. And I begin to see it in a different... It's like like Jesus in Revelation to Isaac. I got a little Isaac put on me, Sheila. And I saw... To a measure, a measure I hadn't seen before, 
That's what's so exciting with the Lord. It's something I haven't seen or heard before. And it's continuous. It's continuous. It has no end. And it's there for your benefit. Anyway, may the Lord bless you.